Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome in, Browns fans and... No, we are not on a highway to hell just because our team is 0-10 and on their way to 0-16. Uh, my name is Jared Mueller. Thanks for stopping by this Locked on Browns podcast. As always, you can go to hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. And I just looked over at my dog who is giving me a dirty look. So early in the morning, he does not want to be awake, but it's time to get going, Browns fans. And so uh, use the intro to the uh, ACDC's Highway to Hell song, uh, not because, of the, again, not because of the season, but because of the comparison that I wanted to use today when talking about our beloved Cleveland Browns. And that comparison is very simply the Oakland Raiders. And when you think about the Oakland Raiders, you think of the black hole and Al Davis and speed. And to be honest, you think about losing. The Oakland Raiders have been bad for a long time. Not as long and not as bad as the Cleveland Browns have been, but the Raiders have struggled for years upon years. All the Raiders had was Al Davis and his desire for speed. There'd be years like with John Gruden that they would look good for a little while. Uh, but, you know, Ken Stabler, a long time ago. But in general, the team has struggled. And so, um, but now this year, this year, the Oakland Raiders are a team that many are really excited about seeing. Some are really wondering what an Oakland Raiders-Dallas Cowboys matchup might look like with two teams with great offensive lines, uh, kind of that old school kind of way of, of doing things, which is a possible matchup in the Super Bowl. Not saying the Oakland Raiders are ready to get in the Super Bowl. Uh, Like most professional teams, the Raiders are probably going to go through some growing pains as they uh, get to the playoffs this year after missing for some years. So winning a game, maybe at kind of the most, uh, should be the expectations for the Raiders, who are now 7-2, tied for first place with the Kansas City Chiefs in their division and uh, overall tied for the top record in the AFC. But the question is, is how were the Raiders built? And so uh, with the with our Browns being built through the draft and that kind of being the big plan, I wanted to start off by looking at where a majority of their players came from, and that has been uh, the NFL draft, starting really uh, with the 2014 draft. While there are players on the team from years prior, like 2013 has – Latavius Murray, who's an important piece as the running back, um, and some other players that are important to the to the Raiders. Uh, really, when you look at the Raiders, solid foundation 
you're looking at the 2014 draft on up. And that 2014 draft for Browns fans is a difficult one to look back at because the two players they drafted at the for, in the first and second round were two players the Browns had the option to draft, and they did not. Again, like I talked about in yesterday's uh, Locked on Browns podcast, just because someone looks really, really good in Dallas, Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott, doesn't mean they'll look good in Cleveland. Assuming such is crazy. The same way, just because Khalil Mack and Derek Carr look good in Oakland, that doesn't mean they would have looked that good in Cleveland. But they also drafted Gabe Jackson, the guard out of Mississippi State, someone who I really liked, but was a little bit bigger than that current Browns regime wanted on the offensive line. They wanted uh, less road graders, more guys who could get out in the zone scheme, get out in front of uh, runs, um, pulling, those kind of things, where Gabe Jackson's really a straight-ahead kind of guard. And so their top three uh, draft picks really became uh, important for them, uh, kind of foundational pieces for who they are. Then you look at 2015, Amari Cooper, great wide receiver out of Alabama, has been really, really important uh, on one side as a wide receiver for Derek Carr. Uh, Mario Edwards, Clive Wolford, uh, John Feliciano, Ben Heaney. Stop me when you hear a big name. Stop me when you hear someone who has made a huge impact uh, for the Oakland Raiders. Max Vales, Anthony Morris, Andre Dubois, Dexter McDonald. Again, some players that are on the team, some that aren't. And, uh, obviously, Cooper is very, very good. Uh, Mario uh Edwards, um, you know, uh, drafted in the third round, or sorry, second round, Clive Wolford out of Miami. Um, they've got players, but be outside of Cooper, we don't see a lot of studs. Uh, Wolford has 21 receptions for 277 yards, four touchdowns, again, a, a good tight end. But again, we're not talking about studs which is interesting when you think about uh, a team that most kind of just automatically talks about as building through the draft. And then you look at this year's draft, you have Carl Joseph, the safety out of West Virginia, really good, really versatile player. Uh, Jahi Ward, Shalik Calhoun on the defensive line um, can be impactful. But again, rookies aren't tending to make huge impacts on most teams. Connor Cook, going to back up Derek Carr, DeAndre Washington, Corey James, Vidal Alexander out of LSU. Um, so when you look back at the Raiders drafts, the foundation really was in the first rounds. It it was in, maybe in the second round as well. When you look at Khalil Mack and Derek Carr, obviously Gabe Jackson, first three rounds, 2014, really, really good. Mari Cooper, uh, Clive Wolford, really good in the first and third rounds, 2015, so far, Carl Joseph has looked really, really good uh, kind of in his role. Ward has played a little bit. Uh, same with Calhoun's played a little bit on the defensive line. But surprisingly, that's not really where a lot of the studs for the Oakland Raiders have come from. But it has been their foundation. Without Derek Carr, without Amari Cooper, without Latavius Murray, Without Gabe Jackson, without some of those kind of players, uh, then we can also talk about um, 
some of the defenders that they brought in uh, with Cleo Mack, all of those guys. Without some of those players, the free agent signings they brought in don't really matter, don't really make sense. But man, when you look at who they brought in in free agency, especially on that offensive line, Donald Penn, he's 33 years old, but the left tackle, huge, six foot four, 315 yards or 315 pounds. Kalichi Osemele, 6'5", 330. They brought over from Baltimore, who was a second-round pick in Baltimore. Rodney Hudson was a second-round pick in Kansas City, 6'2", 300 pounds as their center. Wow, with Gabe Jackson at right guard, Vidal Alexander at right tackle, two guys they drafted. Then the Raiders brought in three free agents to just solidify and pound uh defenses with their with their offensive line. Not a bad start. Then you have Michael Crabtree outside of Amari Cooper, a veteran presence, someone who some worried about an attitude issue coming out of San Francisco, but has really made a difference for the Oakland Raiders. So as you look, the Oakland Raiders have created their foundation in the NFL draft. Without the Khalil Max the Jihad Wards of the world, signing Bruce Irvin doesn't make a ton of sense. Without the Carl Josephs of the world, Reggie Nelson doesn't make a lot of sense. Without those two guys, Sean Smith doesn't make a lot of sense of free agency. So the question is, when you look at the first year of the Cleveland Browns draft, when you look at Corey Coleman and Emmanuel Agba and Carl Nassib, when you look at those kind of players while they don't fit into the Khalil Mack, maybe Agba could role currently as rookies. Mack kind of came out of the scene really, really quickly. And none of them are Derek Carr, the quarterback, you know, the most important foundational piece. Could the Browns have the start of the foundation? Could the Browns, after one more draft next year, could they start to bring in free agents to kind of work with a young developing core the same way the Oakland Raiders did. It's worked so far for the Raiders. Unfortunately, their counterpart, who seemed to be trying to build the exact same way in the exact same time frame, the Jacksonville Jaguars, are the exact opposite at 2-7. and seven. Maybe that's the difference between Derek Carr and Blake Bortles. Even though Bortles was drafted number three overall, and Carr was drafted in the second round. In the end, it really is the the difference between drafting well and having good coaching and not drafting well and or having bad coaching. The Oakland Raiders give the Browns some type of templates. But what we know in the NFL, there is not just one way to win. If there was, everyone would do it. For now, the Raiders give us an interesting viewpoint on what one way the Browns could win, and maybe they're on track. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. 
Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. With the Browns, it's never a surprise for us to start looking forward, as we just did looking at the Oakland Raiders and and how they kind of created their core of their 7-2 and two team, somewhere the Browns hope to be uh, soon. Soon is a strong term, though, when it comes to the Browns. Currently 0-10, looking at 0-16. Getting to where Oakland currently is, which is in the third real season of their rebuild, may not be as easy as we think. When we look back at the two years of Oakland so that we can look forward, we didn't see a lot of wins. You know, Oakland in their first year in 2014 and Carr and Cleo Mack's first year, we're looking at 3-13. and 13. Browns aren't too far behind that. <laughs> Maybe 0-16, 1-15, and 15, just a couple wins behind that. And then last year, Oakland 2, 4, 6, 7. 7 wins, so 7-9. and nine. That might be tough for the Browns next year, but that's okay because they'll hopefully have their quarterback of the quote-unquote future. And then obviously going into the this season where Oakland is already 7-2. and two. So what do we look for from the Browns for the rest of the season? And an age-old question that unfortunately Browns fans have had to answer far too many times. Would you rather, remember that, you know that fun game, would you rather? Would you rather the Browns beat the rival Pittsburgh Steelers, the team that they've struggled against like they have pretty much any team, but kind of the standard bearer in the AFC North. Would you rather the Browns beat the Steelers this weekend, continuing kind of to to push them down uh, along with the rest of the AFC North that isn't really very good this year? Or would you rather the Browns lose and push towards the number one overall pick, right? And really, that's the unfortunate question that Browns fans have to ask. If the Browns beat the Steelers, they would then be tired as if the San Francisco 49ers continue to lose as as is expected. So if they beat the Steelers, they'll be tied with the 49ers and then have to win some of the tiebreaker uh, stuff that we'll get into down the road. But they'd beat their rivals. They the the yellow flag waving kids from Pittsburgh would lose to the Cleveland Browns. They would no longer have to worry about 0-16, how huge that would be to be against the Steelers. On the other hand, then the San Francisco 49ers could get the number one overall pick. Assumedly they're taking a quarterback. Maybe they don't, but everyone assumes they're taking a quarterback. And that means anyone wanting to trade up with the Browns, again, if the Browns want to trade up, it's lost a lot of value because that means they're going to get the number two quarterback, not the first quarterback. That could get some value, as we saw with our trade with the Eagles down to eight, but it loses value. It also, forget trading down, means the Browns may not have their choice of the number one quarterback on their board much like they lost out to Jared Goff this year. It's a tough place to be. For me, as fans know, I care all about looking at development. The Browns could look terrible and win, and I'm not going to be very happy. The Browns could look good and lose, and I'm going to feel better about where the team is going. 
not having the number one overall pick, not having control of the NFL draft, which really has been their focus and plan all season long, seems like, seems like it would be much worse than losing just once again to the rival Steelers. The Browns aren't ready to win, at least not in anything that's worthwhile. So if they're not going to win, if they're not there yet, and they're already 0-10 and facing the Steelers and Giants and then finally getting a week off before facing the Bengals, Bills, Chargers, and Steelers again, winning a game, winning a pointless game against the division rival doesn't feel like it would have the kind of value I'm looking for. Do I want them to beat the Steelers? Of course I do. But a win against the Steelers, keeping them from their quarterback of the future, keeping them from controlling the NFL draft, that's more difficult for me to swallow. Browns fans, we kind of feel like we're on a highway to hell. The Raiders, the Jaguars, and many teams before us have kind of felt that as well. They've come out of it, some of them, looking good. Pointless Week 11 victory against their rival probably didn't mean that much. It probably won't mean that much for the Steelers. But for the fans, getting the monkey of 0-16 off their back, for, for the young players to see winning, especially against a vaunted rival, could be huge. In the end, there's no right answer. But I'm sure you have some thoughts. You have your answer. Let me know what that is. Get a hold of me at Jared K. Mueller. That's at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R on Twitter. Let's talk about it. I think it's okay and even maybe wanted for the Browns to lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. What about you? Thanks for stopping by this Lockdown Browns podcast. Again, I am Jared Mueller. I'm your host today and every day. Thanks for stopping by and go Browns.